Large white snowflakes were falling in western North Carolina this morning, prompting some schools to delay or cancel classes. Watauga County and Avery County schools were closed today. A Florida construction worker is in jail accused of killing his boss after a political argument. More from CBS News correspondent Peter King in Orlando. The arrest report says the two men were friends and drove to the Florida's Turnpike construction site together yesterday. Witnesses say they got into an argument possibly over politics when Mason Tony started stabbing his boss. Co-workers say they tried to stop the fight when Tony ran and drove away calling them terrorists. Deputies say Tony left a brand new American flag next to William Knight's body. Co-workers say Knight was a Trump supporter. His accused killer was anti-government and felt the government was out to get him. He was arrested last night. He's jailed here with no bond. Peter King, CBS News, Orlando. Two people were shot in Dunn on Monday afternoon and one of the victims died. Officers responded to reports of a shooting in Dunn around 3.45 p.m. California may list a common painkiller as a carcinogen. Rita Foley has that. The drug is acetaminophen. It's used to treat pain and fevers. It's in Tylenol, Excedrin, Sudafed, Robitussin, and Theraflu, just to name a few medications. California regulators reviewed more than 100 studies. Some reported an increased risk of some types of cancers, while others did not. A trade group conducted its own review and found most studies suggest no risk for most forms of cancer. A panel of scientists appointed by the governor has scheduled a public hearing for the spring. They could add acetaminophen to the list of carcinogens under the California law known as Proposition 65. I'm Rita Foley. Mike Crayley, NCN News. Welcome back to the David Glenn Show. It's 60 Minutes, former Army guard, former Duke basketball staffer, now with ESPN, Chris Patola drops by to talk college basketball. Thanks to Wolfpack head coach Kevin Keats for dropping by earlier after the big win in Charlottesville. If you missed it, catch it at accsports.com a little bit later or on our podcast posted every hour, every day on our Twitter handle at David Glenn Show. Joining us now, as promised, back to the NFL. We have no game this weekend, but Super Bowl 54 looms in the distance. It will be Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs against... Sort of, but not exactly. Jimmy Garoppolo and the San Francisco 49ers. Will Brinson is senior NFL writer for CBSSports.com. Also check out his Pick 6 podcast. Will, welcome back to the David Glenn Show. We certainly have seen, as I'll get to prop bets and J-Lo and Shakira and all the rest of that stuff, but quickly on football, we have seen other Jimmy Garoppolo-like quarterbacks not only make it to the Super Bowl, but win it, right? I mean, Jim McMahon with the Bears, Trent Dilfer or Joe Flacco with the Ravens. Like, it's not like it's all about the quarterback, and it's not like Jimmy G is chopped liver, right? Yeah, I mean, no, Jimmy G is a you know, he's a former second-round pick, brought up in the uh, the old Patriot, Patriot way and uh, was traded for a second-round pick. And, you know, I think it's considered at, at one point in time, I mean, last year, day he was getting, like, you know, he tore his ACL, obviously, but he was getting, like, MVP heat before the before the season. The 49ers were a trendy team to, to win it all or to, to win the division. And, and you know, it was one of those, uh, as, as is often the case with 2020 or 2019, this day and age, post-hype 
is is uh, it's when people actually flourish, which is what happened with the Niners. And yeah, Jimmy G, you know, I think in a perfect world, Kyle Shanahan would be able to lean on the running game and lean over him Mostert, maybe Tevin Coleman. He's got a dislocated right shoulder, so we'll see if he actually plays. Matt Breida could be in there. Um, that's you know that's the perfect world for Kyle Shanahan and really for any NFL team. If your quarterback throws eight times in a football game, yeah. either it means you quit or you kick somebody's tail. <laughs> and uh, that's, what the four, that's what the 49ers did. By the way, I actually interviewed uh, Raheem Mostert this morning cool. on the Pick 6 podcast. It's already up in the feed. Awesome guy. Well, I love his story, and I actually followed his story all the way back to high school when our old friend Jim Grobe tried to get Raheem Mostert to play at Wake Forest. Now, he ended up at Purdue, but that guy, you want to talk about a guy who's willing to wait his turn. From what I remember, like, he didn't blossom in high school until his senior year. He didn't blossom in college until his senior year, and he didn't blossom at San Francisco until his fourth year with the 49ers. I mean, what what were the other more illuminating things that he shared with you after what? Getting cut by the Eagles, Dolphins, Ravens, Browns, Jets, and Bears before landing in San Fran. Yeah, so, you know, I was curious. You probably saw it, but after the game, he pointed out that he said that every before every game, he looks at, uh, the list of teams who have cut it. And he said he keeps it like in his notes on his phone. He has a list of every team and the date that they, you know, the date that they cut him and he uses that as motivation. And he, and he told me he has a, he has a, a six, six month old son and he uses, uh, you know, he, he like, you know, he, he basically, he likes to look at the, you know, the, what he's had to go through and where he is now and, you know, what he wants to be in order for, for motivational purposes. Um, and we also sort of did a deep dive on some of the touchdowns, like, the one, the fourth touchdown he scored, I found this fascinating. But you know, there's motion from Debo Samuel, and Debo Samuel ends up becoming basically a fullback and like the lead blocker for him. Motion. Well, he wasn't supposed to be. He was supposed to be running the jet, the jet sweep on the interior in order to sort of distract and keep, you know, keep the linebackers eye candy for the linebackers. And Mostert was going to cut inside. But the defensive end occupied the blocker, so he busted it out outside. And Debo just took over, like, instinctively as a blocker and took him to the house. So uh, really fun, interesting conversation. We got a little deep on life and stuff like that. So uh, I highly recommend people check it out. Will Brinson on Twitter, at Will Brinson, CBSSports.com, and the Pick 6 podcast. Have you – I forget to what degree you are or are not a better – um, you always give us your predictions, of course. Have you fallen in love with any prop bets yet? You know, the length of the national anthem, any of the other goofy things? I haven't seen any of the, the big stuff pop up yet. Uh, I know that uh, Super Bowl MVP came out from the Westgate. I don't think that the full props have been released. They typically, you know, you don't want to have the player props come out until you know, like they want to sort of know. They'll be out, I think, a week ahead of time, maybe, maybe even sooner. But, you know, because all the competition amongst these various sports books to get them out faster than that. Um, always take the over on the anthem. Always take tails on the coin flip. I would say that, uh, you know, as far as the Super Bowl MVP, most are actually seven and a half to one, which is not that terrible. If you think that the 49ers can win and you think they're going to win their way, uh, I don't mind the idea of taking a running back or a defensive player. Nick Bosa, 41 to one to win Super Bowl MVP. Certainly, if he had, you know, maybe two sacks of Patrick Mahomes and they held him down. Um, there's actually, depending on where you would bet it, there's some value in taking Patrick Mahomes as MVP. So, like at FanDuel in New Jersey, he's plus 100 to win the MVP, whereas the Chiefs are like minus 120. So, 
you would have an even money bet on Mahomes to win MVP, which is only going to happen, obviously, if the Chiefs win. And more like 90% of the time plus if the Chiefs win, he's going to be the MVP, assuming they don't win in a defensive battle or a run game thing. So uh, you could do that and try to save some juice there. But, um, yeah, as far as, uh, as far as specific props that have popped up, I haven't seen the player stuff yet or the crazy Gatorade stuff. Um, I do think that uh, I would always take the over on Patrick Mahomes passing touchdowns. That's always a good bet. It's usually like one and a half or two and a half. And there's always plus money if it's two and a half. So those would be my early, very, very early <laughs> leads. But uh, we, we, we sort of, we'll dive into that throughout the week on the podcast. And I'm sure there'll be plenty of them popping up. It was 16 years ago, believe it or not, when Justin Timberlake accidentally exposed part of Janet Jackson's breast at the halftime show, clearly changing the world as we know it forever. Is it true in your eyes that the NFL sort of went conservative for a while to steal a football phrase? You know, we got a little Paul McCartney. We got a little Rolling Stones. We got a little Tom Petty. We got some Bruce Springsteen. uh, The Who, I think, for a while there. Did they get past that conservative stage? We've got J-Lo and Shakira this year. Is that in the distant past, and now they're wide open to explore more things? Uh, no, I don't think so. You know, I think, look, J-Lo and Shakira is definitely um, more risque than The Who. Uh, and I actually saw The Who do an acoustic performance for, media, for like, the, their, their press conference at my first Super Bowl that I covered down in Miami. Um, and uh, I guess it was with the, the, the uh, Colts, and, um, Colts and Saints, right? And, uh, but, you know, I don't know that, um, I, don't, I don't know that the NFL is uh, willing to, like, just sort of throw caution to the wind when it comes to halftime performance. I think with JLo and Shakira, what you'll get is like a, like it's such an, you know, I mean, it's always a cool thing to be the halftime performer for the Super Bowl. And it's, they, I think in a perfect world, they would like to sort of go local with the performance and to get somebody, you know, who gives a, like, that, you know, you know, I feel like, you know, JLo and Shakira give off a little bit of a, a South Florida vibe uh, to the show. So I think they want to incorporate that. They want to, they wanted to be festive without you know having to worry about it being risque, and I would assume that those two will kind of keep it between the mustard and the mayonnaise, so to speak, uh, when it comes to the performance. Maybe push push the boundaries a little bit, but nothing too over the top. I have seen both that TV audience numbers were down for the AFC and NFC title games, yet Super Bowl commercials are so popular that they long months ago were sold out, even though the price tag for thirty second ads was in the five to six million dollar per ad range what what's the bottom line answer on those business matters for the nfl because it feels like over the last couple years there are way more up pointing arrows than there are some of those steps back yeah a lot of times that stuff can be a little agenda driven dave where you have people who want to see the nfl struggle for for whatever yeah i mean right like it's like well look at these numbers or like nike stock takes a dip (laughs) i mean yeah it's it's like the whole market's down man like um and so i think i think when you look at this sort of thing what you have to really examine is um you know are we well a like you know is it fair to take numbers in 2020 and try to compare them to numbers five years ago, ten years ago, even last year. And I don't know that the answer is that it is fair. Like I don't, I don't know that it is fair. Um, I don't think there's another way to do it right now. But the reality is, lots of people, I would imagine, um, no longer watch. Like in sort of an ironic twist, I bet there's a lot of people uh, in the you know 
mid-30s, late-20s, who or early-20s, who watched the NFC or AFC Championship game on an HD antenna without a set-top box. Yeah, you know, like yeah. we've seen the antennas move. Like, it's like, you got to get rid of the rabbit ears. We're all going to cable boxes. Well, everybody's going back to the HD antenna because you can watch the game over the antenna for free. And, and you don't count in the numbers. The, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And it's not going to be measured in the Nielsen metrics or whatever. Um, additionally, like, people might have CBS All Access, and they might be watching it on their, you know, OTT. And so I don't think that we've fully found a way to – to compartmentalize the, the, the performances of all those different set-tops and to put them into one metric. Additionally, I would say, too, like, neither of those games was thrilling down to the wire. I mean, they just weren't. Like, yeah. the, the 49ers blew out the Packers. That game was over. People probably went and spent time with their families. And the Chiefs had a pretty firm command of that game, uh, even though it was during the day. And that that is always going to be a factor because when when people who are watching the game – uh, or, you know, being asked, hey, why don't you come in here and play with the kids? And the game ends up, you know, being not that close. Uh, you're going to get a little more family interaction, a little less TV time. Last thing for Will Brinson, all things being equal, all of us take the team with the better quarterback. And yet, when it was Aaron Rodgers, advantage Packers, playing against a really, really good defensive 49ers team, most of us picked San Francisco. Do you automatically lean one direction as you contemplate Patrick Mahomes leading a Chiefs team that has had some holes on defense at times? Or do you lean towards San Francisco because they've been so good in so many ways around Jimmy Garoppolo, you know, that the more well-rounded team usually wins as the 49ers not only beat the Packers but destroyed them? Yeah, I mean, I would say this, that for me, I thought that the 49ers, I told people on the podcast this and CBS Sports HQ and everywhere else, like going into week 17, even before week 17, I was like, the Chiefs are 6 or 7-1 to one to win the Super Bowl. I think that's pretty good value for what we're seeing from them. Down the stretch, to, to me, Patrick Mahomes played uh, the best football of his career. Now his stats, the volume stats, don't back it up. But they were blowing teams out. They slaughtered the Raiders, the Bears. The, the Broncos in that weird snow game. Um, they took care of the Patriots in New England. And if you watched him play, what you saw was, I, I think, the most complete mastery of Andy Reid's offense by a quarterback that Andy Reid's ever had, uh, and certainly the most proficient level of performance by Patrick Mahomes over the course of his career. And they got lucky. The Patriots lost to the Dolphins in Week 17. They beat the Chargers. Those games flipped. They got the two seed. The Titans were kind enough to take out both the Pats and the Ravens for them. So the Pats got a little bit easier. Um, and I think what people are sort of sleeping on with, with the Chiefs is how good their defense has been. It ended up being a top 10 defense or top 11 defense by the advanced metrics. Their pass defense is, is outstanding. Uh, Tyron Matthews playing some really, really good football. And if Chris Jones is healthy and Frank Clark is there, they can get uh, pressure on you up front. So I wouldn't sleep on the Chiefs defense. I do think there's a path for the 49ers to win. It wouldn't surprise me if they won at all. Uh, but I believe that the 49ers probably need to have the lead and be running downhill on the Chiefs and trying to melt clock and utilizing play action and being the aggressor with the lead in order to pull off the win. Whereas I think Kansas City can win from behind. I think they can win from ahead. And I, I'm just not going to fade Patrick Mahomes at this point. He's been too good over the past month and a half. His name is Will Brinson. Check out the Pick 6 podcast. Follow his work as a senior NFL writer at CBSSports.com on Twitter, at Will Brinson. Thanks for the time, man. Have fun in Miami, of course. 
Always, Dave. Talk to you soon, man. You got it. 1-800-849-2761. The question of the day for NFL fans, who is the worst quarterback you've ever, you remember starting in a Super Bowl? The overwhelming majority of the answers today were the losing quarterbacks. And again, I am not putting Jimmy Garoppolo of the 49ers in this group. It is true that this is his first year as a full-time starting quarterback, even at 28 years old. So his body of work pales in comparison to most Super Bowl quarterbacks. Most of the lesser QBs y'all are throwing our way today, Rex Grossman of the Bears, David Woodley of the Dolphins, Tony Eason of the Old Patriots, Stan Humphreys of the Chargers, Vince Ferragamo of the Rams, Joe Cap from an early Super Bowl for the Minnesota Vikings. Some of you throwing in Colin Kaepernick of the 49ers, just for fun, of course. Neil O'Donnell of the Steelers. Billy Kilmer of the old Washington Redskins. All, every name I just gave also did lose that Super Bowl. There are Super Bowl winning starting quarterbacks who, frankly, were not elite in the year their team won it all. And in many of these cases, they didn't have great careers either. Jim McMahon of the Chicago Bears was not one of the top five reasons the Bears won Super Bowl Twenty. Now, he was charismatic. He was memorable. He had his moments. But that Bears defense was so good and the supporting cast around him was so good. The Jim McMahon, McMahon story in that regard is more like the Jimmy Garoppolo 2019-2020 San Francisco 49ers story. If it's going to happen, Jimmy will have to play his role but it's largely because of Nick Bosa and Richard Sherman and even the breakthrough running back behind that great offensive line, Raheem Mostert, on his seventh NFL team. McMahon's not the only guy who fits that description, though. Trent Dilfer and Joe Flacco, would you call either of those guys way above average starting quarterbacks in the NFL for their careers? No. Would you say that either one was spectacular? in the year that the Ravens won it all? No. Like, Nick Foles was the lightning in a bottle. He was spectacular. He was not a caretaker. He was awesome for the Philadelphia Eagles a couple years ago. And he does not have the most dynamic full body of work. He was just that good that year in the pinch after Carson Wentz of the Eagles got hurt. But Dilfer and Flacco have Super Bowl rings. Jim McMahon has a Super Bowl ring. Jeff Hostetler of the New York Giants has a Super Bowl ring. He was good that year. I wouldn't say he was elite that year. And he was good enough that he even took the Raiders, I think, to the playoffs. If you're taking two different teams to the playoffs as a starting quarterback, you're not exactly a slouch. Mark Rippon of Washington. Nobody remembers him as a legend, but he did win a Super Bowl as the starter for Washington. He was actually the Super Bowl MVP that year, so you can't say he was just a caretaker, kind of more like Nick Foles. He did make a couple of Pro Bowls in what was a long NFL career, but most of the time, the no-name QB loses the Super Bowl. It is only rarely that the guy who's more of the caretaker, even Peyton Manning again for the Broncos a couple years ago, five now, I guess, four-plus, uh, when the Broncos beat the Panthers in that Super Bowl. Peyton Manning was not vintage Peyton Manning at that stage of his career. He was more of a Jimmy Garoppolo type, at least at that point statistically. Doug Williams won with Washington. Brad Johnson is a Super Bowl-winning quarterback from the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. You would not think of Brad Johnson as an elite quarterback in a given NFL season or that year, even the Super Bowl year for the Bucks, but 
He made a couple of Pro Bowls. He was a good quarterback for a long time. Native North Carolinian Brad Johnson, actually, on this Super Bowl winning quarterback list. We all know Kansas City has a large advantage at the quarterback position. I think we also all know that the 49ers have a large advantage in a lot of other places on the depth chart. How does that shake out? To me, that's one of my favorite storylines leading up to Super Bowl 54. 1-800-849-2761 is your ticket into the program. NC State went to Charlottesville and beat Virginia last night. Duke is trying to break a short losing streak, two games, hosting the Miami Hurricanes on ESPN this evening. Wake Forest is at Clemson in ACC action as well. Tomorrow night, Carolina, in a long, extended, disastrous slump, visits Virginia Tech. Syracuse goes to Notre Dame. Those two both still have hopes of building an NCAA tournament-caliber resume. Louisville off the win at Duke, hosts Georgia Tech. Boston College is at Pittsburgh. More of my thoughts and yours on ACC hoops after the obvious big three of Florida State, Louisville, and Duke in whatever order you want to put them. I think there are five teams that have a shot at building an NCAA tournament resume. I think two of them played each other last night in Charlottesville, the Wolfpack and the Cavaliers. Do both need to get better? Yes, they do, and they have time to do that. It's not going to be a three-bid league. It's just a matter of which are going to be good enough to join those top three. More on that a little bit later. And if you want in on baseball today, it's a good day. Not everybody's into the Hall of Fame, but here's a question for anybody. Can you really have a Hall of Fame in the sport of baseball without your all-time home run king, that's Barry Bonds, and without the pitcher who won more Cy Young awards than anybody else? That would be Roger Clemens with seven. Can you have a Hall of Fame when every, without those guys when everybody knows they were among the best ever to do what they did as a batter and as a pitcher? It's an interesting question for Hall of Fame voters, and I'll tell you where Bonds and Clemens are expected to fall compared to the 75% threshold you need from the writers to get in. Derek Jeter, again, will be a part of the class announced about less than two hours from now. Will anybody join him is a question. Remember Kurt Schilling, great pitcher, especially in the postseason, but also controversial figure. Some, some theorize that Kurt Schilling's, some say politics, others say social media presence, sometimes an angry one at that, sometimes an anti-journalist one at that. Some believe non-baseball stuff is keeping Kurt Schilling out of the Baseball Hall of Fame. And we all know it's the PED cloud hovering over the candidacies of Barry Bonds and Roger Clemens and others. Where are they expected to fall compared to that 75% threshold? I will give you that update on the other side. Chris Batola in hour number three, more college basketball. You can jump in on the Carolina Hurricanes, Tiger Woods, Zion Williamson, Serena Williams, the Baseball Hall of Fame, Super Bowl 54. It's all fair game. More of my thoughts on those topics with more of yours, 1-800-849-2761. This college basketball season has had seven different different number one teams in the AP poll. The last time that happened in college hoops was decades ago. It turned out to be a very special year for a team here in the great state of North Carolina. More of that reminder with more of your calls, 1-800-849-2761, next on the David Glenn Show. 
Davo Sweeney, welcome back to the David Glenn Show. Yeah, How man. are you, man? Good to see you. It's great to How see you. you. I saw that you took your family to Italy. It was unbelievable to go to Rome and to stand at the Coliseum that was built in 80, <laughs> 80, Eight zero. the original Death Valley, you know, literally. This is the David Glenn Show. NCN Sports, I'm Josh Zach. NC State beat defending national champion Virginia 53-51 last night. It was their first win in Charlottesville since 2005. The Wolfpack had to overcome a second-half scoring drought of more than 10 minutes and the loss of DJ Funderburg, who scored 14 points before fouling out with 6.48 to play. Head coach Kevin Keats talked afterward about his reaction to losing Funderburg down the stretch. Well, when he fouled out, I started looking at my assistant coaches to see if I could get them in the game, and I knew neither one of those guys had eligibility. But give Danny Dixon a lot of credit. He's a kid who hasn't played a lot of basketball. Um, he was hurt for a while. I thought Danny did a great job. Other North Carolina programs in play last night. Gardner-Webb was hosting Hampton and winning 39-31 at halftime. But because of an unfixable malfunction to one of the shot clocks during the break, the game was suspended. Information on when the game will be resumed is yet to be announced. They're scheduled to meet again, the running Bulldogs and the Pirates, on February 20th. In play tonight, Wake Forest travels to Clemson. Miami is at Duke. On the ice, Winnipeg is in Raleigh for a 7 o'clock face-off versus the Hurricanes at PNC Arena. It's the last game for the Canes before the All-Star break, and the rest period could be coming at just the right time. Carolina's gone 1-2-1 and in their last four after winning their previous three straight. Rod Brindamore talked about the pluses and minuses of having a week off at this time of the season. The good, obviously, is for me, it's the mental break. That's what guys need right now. The downside is the physical side of get out of rhythm and you know, sink a little bit. That, that You run the risk of that. But the good news, everybody's in the same boat. It's not an advantage one way or another. Oh, what a way to join the 3,000 hit club. Derek Jeter has done it. Will Derek Jeter be a unanimous selection? We'll find out when the Baseball Hall of Fame announces the new class of inductees tonight. Will Jeter be elected? in his first year of eligibility like teammate Mariano Rivera was last year. Amid the MLB's sign-stealing scandal, analysts say it would be just the thing the game needs right now. This is NCN Sports. As humans, we ask ourselves all kinds of questions. But what if we were forced to ask ourselves a question every day that affected the outcome of the most basic things, the most important things in our lives? The question is... What is your sexual orientation or gender identity? And the answer is the difference between keeping your job or getting fired. The answer is the difference between staying in your home or getting evicted. The answer is the difference between receiving medical treatment or not. Because in 31 states, it's legal to discriminate against people based on their answer to this question. LGBT Americans have the right to say, I do, but they don't have the same basic rights as everyone else. Get the facts at beyondido.org. Brought to you by the Gill Foundation and the Ad Council. Jill, why don't you tell the class what you did this weekend? Well, my dad and I went in search of some magical minnows and found a zillion of them in the stream from our lookout rock. Then my sister and I escaped from an evil slug king and went back to my super twig fort for safety. Then we told stories till it got dark, and the Big Dipper led us all the way home. Whoa. Where were you, Jill? We went to the forest. It's not that far away. Ask your parents to take you and your friends to the forest this week. It's closer than you think. Check out discovertheforest.org. Brought to you by the U.S. Forest Service and the Ag Council. Did you just look down at your phone? You did it again, didn't you? 
You know, you're flying down the road in a three-ton hunk of steel, and a text takes your eyes off the road for an average of five seconds. At 55 miles per hour, that's long enough to travel the length of a football field and cause some serious damage. Turn it off. Trust me. Whatever it is, you'll live. Learn more at StopTextStopRex.org. Brought to you by the Ad Council and the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration. 911, what is your emergency? My kid shot himself. All right, where's the wounds? 911, what's your emergency? Please help. My son shot his brother. 911, what is your emergency? 911, please state your emergency. Every day, eight kids and teens are unintentionally killed or injured by loaded and unlocked guns. Learn how to make your home safer at nfamilyfire.org. Brought to you by the Ad Council and End Family Fire. Okay, forest animals, kids are coming to the forest, and it's up to us to make their visit a good one. Sparrow, have you practiced the most popular bird songs for the year? Of course. Catchy. I like it. River, how's the temperature? It's a refreshing 52 degrees, man. I love it. Uh, Turtle. He's not here yet, man. Uh, He's late every morning. Okay. Squirrel. The forest has been preparing just for you. To learn more about cool things to do in the forest, visit discovertheforest.org. Brought to you by the U.S. Forest Service and the Ad Council. Welcome back to the David Glenn Show. Some food for thought on college basketball. More of your calls on the NFL question of the day. Who is the worst quarterback you remember starting in a Super Bowl? No, I do not think Jimmy Garoppolo of the 49ers will fit that description. Yes, I do believe Patrick Mahomes has a chance in the long run to take his place among the legends of the position. Maybe he gets his first Super Bowl title this year. Had to happen at some point for Tom Brady and all the other all-time greats, Johnny Unitas, Bart Starr, and the Wayback Machine, etc. You know, of your calls on that at 1-800-849-2761. And with the Baseball Hall of Fame announcement only hours away, can you really have a Hall of Fame in the sport of baseball without your all-time home run king? Barry Bonds is expected to fall short of the 75% vote threshold again today. This would be eight years in a row where the home run king Bond, who has the PED cloud hovering over him, and the pitcher who won more Cy Young Awards than any other, Roger Clemens with seven, also expected to finish short of the 75% writer's vote threshold that you need to get in. Legendary Yankees shortstop Derek Jeter will get in. Again, only question, will it be unanimous? There's only one first ballot unanimous Hall of Famer in baseball history. It was Mariano Rivera of the Yankees, the closer, just last year. Will Jeter join him? That's part of the drama of today. Again, we know Jeter will get in. To me, the best way to answer all of these Hall of Fame questions as we come back to your calls, 1-800-849-2761, is if you had a ballot, what would you do? We can theorize all we want. But when push comes to shove, if I had a ballot or you had a ballot, what would you do? The one thing that bothers me most among some voters is when they stray from the task at hand. And here's what I mean. It is not your job to say, in my opinion, well, there's only one first ballot unanimous Hall of Famer of all time, and this guy doesn't quite match Mariana Rivera, who was the greatest closer of all time. And some, remember, were debating whether to cast a ballot for Rivera. Again, not on whether he belongs in, everybody agrees yes, 
But they weren't sure that if Babe Ruth didn't get in as a unanimous first ballot Hall of Famer way back when, or pick your favorite legend from a different era, if they didn't get in, well, one or more of us is going to pretend that we matter so much that we're going to make sure nobody is going to be that first ballot unanimous Hall of Famer. I think that is straying from the task at hand, and I think it's giving you an inappropriate amount of power in the process. Either he's good enough or he's not. Now, there is a character clause, and that makes things complicated for some of these guys who are either proven to be PED users or have the suspicion of PED use, and in the case of Bonds and Clemens, significant evidence to back up that suspicion. But, for example, where I'm voting Jeter, yes. I don't want to be the one person that says he's got to wait a year. He's either in or not, and it's an obvious yes, he is. There are some who believe Jeter gets too much credit, that he's not as great a shortstop as the media or fans who have fallen in love with him think, and we all do get a basket from him the morning after voting for him in the Baseball Hall of Fame, the way he gave all his lovely ladies over the years. I'm, pr- I'm pretty sure we all get a basket. I'm not <laughs> sure. Would I vote for Kurt Schilling? This is another thing. Another example where people stray from their vote. Kurt Schilling is one of the greatest postseason pitchers in the history of the sport, period. There's no doubt about it. Now, some of the other body of work numbers are not as great. He was a little older than some before he blossomed into a starting pitching superstar. And yes, the best thing he has to offer is that postseason dominance. Truly, he may be the best starter in baseball postseason history, including for three World Series champions and some other teams that made long runs in the the baseball playoffs. Where some voters, again, I think go astray, am I happy as a lifetime journalist who has owned sports media companies? Am I happy when Kurt Schilling wears a T-shirt showing a journalist and a rope and a tree? Am I happy about that? No, I'm not happy about that. Do I think it's disgraceful? Yes, I think it's disgraceful. Do I think it's beneath any human being to portray somebody's profession that way when they would never want to be painted with a broad brush in their walk of life? Disgraceful, inappropriate, outrageous. But would that stop me from voting for him? even if I am personally offended, as I am. No, it would not. Either his body of work is good enough or his body of work is not good enough. And in his case, is he a jerk? My answer would be yes. Is he a moron? My answer would actually be yes. I have the same religion and God that many of you have. My God doesn't require me to be stupid. Kurt Schilling's God apparently requires him to be stupid. He has to tell us that the earth is only this old or uh, whatever his other beliefs are can't possibly be true. And he's threatened by that. Listen, folks, we've been at this for thousands of years. You can be either on the idiot side of the line or the walking while breathing and thinking side of the line. Centuries ago, the people who figured out that the earth was not the center of the universe were threatened and imprisoned by religious leaders who thought that their God would not allow for such a thing. Science proved that those guys were right. And the idiotic religious idiots of the time threatened to kill the people who were right. We don't need that in 2020. I'm shocked that enough people still think 
in such backward ways, including Kurt Schilling. But the fact that he's a jerk, the fact that he's a moron in some ways, the fact that he's a bigot, the fact that he has demeaned and degraded, for example, members of the LGBT community when he's not demeaning or degrading or advocating violence toward members of the media, none of those, as disgraceful as they all are, none of those, to me, would prevent him from getting my vote because his baseball body of work deserves my vote. Don't stray from the task at hand. If you have to make an argument on the character clause, the words integrity and sportsmanship and character are actually in the directions you receive from the Baseball Hall of Fame. And again, that gets cloudy, right? Because we know dudes who are already in there in some cases were racists, in some cases were bigots, in some cases were spitballers, in some cases were popping amphetamines to help them play better back before steroids and other PEDs came along. There are wife beaters, there are tax evaders, there are a whole lot of other bad people already in the Baseball Hall of Fame, which makes it a murky question. And just to anticipate this feedback on the Kurt Schilling topic, I know plenty of conservatives who do not feel the need to mock, demean, or degrade members of the LGBT community. So it's not a politics thing the way you hear with Kurt Schilling or not. And again, he would get my vote. I'm saying those who don't vote because he's a jerk, because he's a moron, because he's a bigot, are going down the wrong road. It's just not politics because many people with his politics don't feel the need to degrade the LGBT community and don't believe that their God forces them to deny science and otherwise spout ridiculous nonsense. That's not politics. That's his version of his personal views about topics that many fellow conservatives disagree with him on strongly. He's one of the greatest postseason pitchers ever. He is supposed to fall just short this year of the 75% that would get him in. And those who say they believe Schilling is being kept out for non-baseball reasons, I think you're correct And I also think it's wrong. Again, I dislike him. He played for my favorite team. I rooted for him as he tried to lift the Phillies to a World Series title. As a pitcher myself, I admire and respect his body of work on the hill. I think he's a bad person in a lot of ways. But again, that would not prevent my vote for the Baseball Hall of Fame. I do think it's preventing enough, right? What if he finishes at 70%? It would be hard for me to believe that he didn't miss that extra 5% on baseball-related reasons. I think it's more so a lot of voters don't like the noose and the tree and the media member T-shirts or don't like some other versions of the other things I just mentioned. Barry Bonds and Roger Clemens. Again, if you had a vote, what would you do? They have, of course, bodies of work that put them among the best ever. Bonds, the home run king. Clemens, the seven-time Cy Young Award winner. They do have, the way the rules work, you have 10 years on the writer's ballot. Actually, in the early years, if you don't get enough votes, you fall off the ballot entirely. You don't need a large percentage, but you can fall off. Actually, today's results will include, is Jeter 100% of the vote? Will include, does former Expos and Rockies outfielder Larry Walker barely get in or barely miss? He's going to be right near, it looks like, the 75% threshold. Schilling probably will fall short, but nothing's etched in stone just yet. Bonds and Clemens on public ballots are really close to 75%. In past years, private ballots have tended to support them less 
and they're expected to fall short of 75% again. Would I vote for them this year? My answer is no. You ask me why. Fair question. I think when you cheat, the way, again, they have never failed a drug test, but if you're willing to do your homework, you will see the significant evidence against them. I believe you could make a a logical conclusion that they were so good for so long, even before they were accused of using PEDs, that they still had enough to get into the Hall of Fame. I think all that's fair game. At the same time, do I think it is appropriate to make them wait, to make them sweat, to make the conversation around them include the fact that they challenged the integrity of the game by cheating on purpose? The answer to me is yes. That doesn't mean I would not vote for them forever. They have two more years again on the regular balloting, and then eventually you do have a side door in. Marvin Miller, the attorney, is not on the ballot that will be announced today, but the labor leader that helped change the face of baseball many, many years ago got in through a different committee vote rather than today's writer ballot. Roger Clemens and Barry Bonds have two more election cycles, if you will, after this one. And I believe that their misdeeds justify making them wait a little bit longer. Among the others, did you see Omar Vizquel play Darren Vaught baseball ever? Oh, for sure. One of the Defensive-minded infielder, of, one of the greatest, loved him. One of the greatest defensive shortstops I've ever seen. Maybe the greatest I've ever seen. Hall of Famer in your eyes or no? I don't think so. To me, he's just short. And he's going to be just short in today's balloting. You need to be better than elite defensively for you to make the Hall of Fame. It's not the Hall of very good for a long time. It's not the Hall of brilliant offensively or defensively, but not all that good at the other. He was not a very good hitting shortstop, all due respect. Similarly, Gary Sheffield, he's the opposite of Omar Vizquel, and he's going to fall similarly short. One of the great sluggers in his prime that you'll ever see. One of the worst defensive outfielders in the history of baseball. I mean, just an embarrassment. A hide-your-eyes bad defensive player. Now, should the home runs be more important than the defense? Yes, right? You're only one of nine out there. How many, how many fly balls can you botch? Right. How many, how, how many, how many cut-off men can you overthrow? How many runs did he provide <laughs> right. his teams over the years? I over get it. How like, many runs he cost them defensively? Right. Sure. Does he belong on the ballot? Yes. Is he getting my vote? No. He and Vizquel, for opposite reasons, fall short. Scott Rowland, third baseman for my Phillies and the Cardinals. Outstanding, off, uh, outstanding defensively, good offensively. It's not the Hall of Good. He falls just short on my ballot. Some of the guys a little bit further down the ladder. Andrew Jones wasn't good enough long enough. He'll fall short. Bobby Abreu, Andy Pettit, similarly, will fall short today, and I think they should fall short. Jeff Kent, one of the greatest offensive second basemen of all time. No doubt about that. Not great with the glove. Is that imbalance enough to put him in? Second baseman stats by the history of that position – pretty much off the charts. He's expected to fall short. I will not lose any sleep if he does. Among the guys who clearly won't make it, Billy Wagner is the guy that I think deserves more love than he's getting. One of the most dominant, like my left arm is a lightning bolt sent by God. One of the highest strikeout ratios in the history of baseball. I think there's a little anti-closeritis that still lingers in baseball. I think eventually he'll get in, and I think he should get in. Jeter is in. 
Just the details. Larry Walker's a fence sitter. Schilling, Bonds, and Clemens probably will fall short for various reasons. You have any major objections to any of those votes or non-votes that I just laid no, out? Not, nothing major. I like Scott Rowland, uh, his, his body of work, uh, probably a little bit more than you. Billy Wagner, for what it's worth. Left-handed closer, right? Oh, yeah, Threw in the oh, triple figures. So he's a Southwestern Virginia guy. Ah, played at Ferrum College at the Division Three level. Look at you go. He was actually not born left-handed. He broke his arm early in his, his playing career. Go, he Darren. was right-handed out of the womb and taught himself to throw lefty and not only successfully threw to the plate, but got it over 100 miles yeah. per hour. And that one worked out pretty well yeah. for Billy Wagner. Hall of Fame day, probably the only day we will dive deeply into such things, unless you want to chime in tomorrow after you see the results a little bit later today, 1-800-849-2761. David, Dun- David in Dunn knows somebody who knew somebody who knew somebody. No, he has something on the Barry Bonds story. Sal and Raleigh wants in on Super Bowl quarterbacks, good and bad. Gary and Wilson wants to chime in as well. More college basketball, little hurricanes and other things too. You can be next on the David Glenn Show. Throwback Justice League. You know, Batman, Wonder Woman, Superman, Aquaman. If there was a combine event where you had to talk to marine life, Aquaman is your guy. Zay Jones is dominating the three-cone drill. Aquaman is dominating the talk-to-porpoises drill. This is the David Glenn Show. Take warning as the Carolina Hurricanes return to the ice after a long all-star break on Friday night, January 31st against the Vegas Golden Knights. You can participate in the NHL's Mental Health Awareness Night. Every Mental Health Awareness Night ticket package includes a special Hockey Talks t-shirt and helps raise awareness and funds to provide essential support for individuals affected by mental illness. Learn more at hurricanes.com slash promotions. Introducing from Wilmington and Moorhead City, North Carolina, the delivery dominators, the supply chain champions. It's the lineup that scored $15.4 billion for our state's economy and supported more than 87,000 jobs. Your very own sports team, the North Carolina Parade! At North Carolina Ports, we play hard for our state's economy. Now that's something to cheer about. Check out our season highlights at nccranes.com. A Sport Clips championship haircut experience makes you feel like your hair has its own walk-up music. Maybe you play sports. Maybe you play sports online. Or maybe your sport is keeping up with your kids. Your hair deserves its own walk-up music. And at Sport Clips, we make it easy. A game-changing cut from a stylist trained for guys while you're surrounded by sports. Hair this good needs no introduction, but you'll want one anyway. So download the app, check in, and get your hair in the game. At AT&T, we believe that access to affordable home internet brings you incredible opportunities. You can enjoy the power to explore a digital world of possibilities and connect with family, friends, and the things that matter most. That's why there's access from AT&T. If a member of your household is a SNAP participant, you may qualify for home internet at a discounted rate of $10 a month or less. No commitment, no deposit, no installation fee. Plus, get an in-home Wi-Fi gateway included at no extra cost. Call 1-855-220-5211 or visit att.com slash access now to learn more. SNAP refers to the Federal Supplemental Nutrition Assistance Program. 
Pricing excludes taxes and fees. Includes one terabyte of data per month. Data overage charges apply. For details about data allowance, go to att.com slash internet dash usage. Geographic and service restrictions apply. All right, here we go. That was a lot of baseball from me for mid-January. Back to football, college hoops, little canes. Zion Williamson, Tiger Woods, Serena Williams. David is in Dunn and wants in on baseball. Sal is in Raleigh and wants in on Super Bowl quarterbacks. Gary and Wilson also on deck, if you will. 1-800-849-2761. Chris Spatola of ESPN will ramp up our college basketball talk in about 15 minutes. Former Army guard, former Mike Krzyzewski employee at Duke. David, welcome to the David Glenn Show. You knew Barry Bonds' uncle? Yes, sir. I did. I worked with him, went to church with him. He lived in Morro Bay, California. This was in the mid to later 80s. All right. So this in the, in the court of law, this might be inadmissible as hearsay, if I remember my law school lessons well. Uh, but on the David Glenn Show, since it's Hall of Fame Day, you go ahead with your Barry Bonds and or Roger Clemens input. Well, Barry, I, I knew Barry's uncle, uh, his brother's brother. And uh, we we did almost a lot of things together. And he would he would show me pictures of Barry and uh, bats he had. But um, he knew, and he said many times that Barry uh, has talent, but he's cheating the game. And he was frustrated with that because he was a player himself, not a baseball. Right. He was in football. And uh, so it was just it's something that's been known for a long yeah. time. And same with Clemens. I mean, there's a lot of evidence out there that shows what they did. You know the arguments. Were they so good even before they started using that they should be in anyway? Or some people say there are so many bad people already in the Hall of Fame, including cheaters. You know, why leave these two out when one's the home run king, Barry Bonds, and the other's got seven Cy Young Awards, Roger Clemens? Those are the things, the machinations that these voters are going through on a day like this. Again, announcement just a few hours away. Thanks for chiming in, David and Dunn. It would be Barry's brother, Barry's father's brother. brother. That would be his his uncle. uncle. Not Bobby, but Robert. As long as we're admitting hearsay evidence on the program today. (laughs) As I bang my gavel, we got to get uncles right. Sal is in Raleigh and next on the David Glenn Show. Go right ahead. Hey, just want to say, so for the worst Super Bowl quarterbacks ever in my lifetime, it's either got to be Rex Grossman who starred or uh, Chris Chandler on the Falcons team in the 90s. But, yeah, uh, yeah, that's a good one. And Chandler and Rex both lost with the Falcons and the Bears, yeah. They did. I mean, Grand Dells went up against great teams. But um, the one thing you mentioned with Flacco, um, you got to give him his due, though. He wasn't a game manager that year in the Super Bowl. In fact, he had one of the best postseason runs the quarterbacks ever had. True. Uh, it's kind of like the Nick Foles story, and, right? Yeah, and I know because I'm a Broncos fan, so that uh, Hail Mary still hurts a lot. You know, when, when we play the game, Super Bowl starting quarterbacks, there are a significant number of losers, including Rex Grossman, David Woodley, Tony Eason, Stan Humphreys, Vince Ferragamo, Joe Cap, etc. There are not a lot of winners where you can say, man, they didn't have a great body of work overall and they didn't have a great season that season. 
I mean, uh, some people say Jim McMahon of the Bears in the 80s is the worst winning starting quarterback because I, I respect what Sal just said about Joe Flacco. That year with the Ravens, now in part because you have such a great supporting cast, that defense has given you some short fields. That running game has given you some open passing lanes. That offensive line is protecting you. It is somewhat like Jimmy Garoppolo's job description is infinitely easier with this year's 49ers because of that offensive line, that defense, that running game than, say, Aaron Rodgers' job description was against that 49ers defense this past weekend. So we all know these are all connected to each other. But Joe Flacco that year for the Ravens was good. Mediocre career, I would argue yes overall. But that year he was good. Nick Foles is not a great career body of work guy, but he was the MVP for the Eagles just a couple of years ago. Trent Dilfer of the Ravens was not great that year and was not great for the entirety of his career, but he is also a guy who has a Super Bowl championship ring. The list of those on winning teams, again, really just doesn't include any true duds. Some are lesser than others. Not everybody's a Tom Brady, obviously, but you were either good that year or good enough to end up on the winning side. Chris Patola on College Hoops in 10 minutes. More of your calls, too, on the David Glenn Show. Megan Rapino is joining us on the David Glenn Show. Not everybody wants to sort of uh, back up Colin Kaepernick. Why are things like that important to you? I think it's all of our responsibility to try to make our country and our society and ultimately the world um, a place that is equal for everyone. This is the David Glenn Show. NCN Sports, I'm Josh Zach. NC State beat defending national champion Virginia 53-51 last night. It was their first win in Charlottesville since 2005. The Wolfpack had to overcome a second-half scoring drought of more than 10 minutes and the loss of DJ Funderburg, who scored 14 points before fouling out with 6.48 to play. Head coach Kevin Keats talked afterward about his reaction to losing Funderburg down the stretch. Well, when he fouled out, I started looking at my assistant coaches to see if I could get them in the game, and I knew neither one of those guys had eligibility. But give Danny Dixon a lot of credit. He's a kid who hasn't played a lot of basketball. Um, he was hurt for a while. I thought Danny did a great job. Other North Carolina programs in play last night. Gardner-Webb was hosting Hampton and winning 39-31 at halftime. But because of an unfixable malfunction to one of the shot clocks during the break, the game was suspended. Information on when the game will be resumed is yet to be announced. They're scheduled to meet again, the running Bulldogs and the Pirates, on February 20th. In play tonight, Wake Forest travels to Clemson. Miami is at Duke. On the ice, Winnipeg is in Raleigh for a 7 o'clock face-off versus the Hurricanes at PNC Arena. It's the last game for the Canes before the All-Star break, and the rest period could be coming at just the right time. Carolina's gone 1-2-1 and in their last four after winning their previous three straight. Rod Brindamore talked about the pluses and minuses of having a week off at this time of the season. The good, obviously, is for me, it's the mental break. That's what guys need right now. The downside is the physical side of get out of rhythm and you know, sink a little bit. That, that You run the risk of that. But the good news, everybody's in the same boat. It's not an advantage one way or another. Oh, what a way to join the 3,000 hit club! Will Derek Jeter be a unanimous selection? We'll find out when the Baseball Hall of Fame announces the new class of inductees tonight. Will Jeter be elected in his first year of eligibility like teammate Mariano Rivera was last year? Amid the MLB's sign-stealing scandal, analysts say it would be just the thing the game needs right now. This is NCN Sports.
Is that a faucet running? That's not a faucet. That's a river rushing through the forest. Forest rivers provide over 100 million people with clean water to drink. What? I can't hear you because of the vacuum. That's not a vacuum. That's the trees in the forest cleaning up the air we breathe. I didn't know the trees were so amazing. Yep, and the forest gives us shade, trees to climb. That's awesome. Let's go explore some more. Visit the forest today and enjoy all it does just for you. To learn more about the forest and find one near you, go to discovertheforest.org. Brought to you by the U.S. Forest Service and the Ad Council. Imagine being fired because of who you love. Imagine being denied medical treatment because of who you marry. Imagine being evicted because of who you are. Millions of Americans don't have to imagine this. They have to live it. Because in 31 states, it's legal to discriminate against LGBT people. Get the facts at beyondido.org. Brought to you by the Gill Foundation and the Ad Council. Steven. Who said that? Me, down here. Ugh, what are you, a yellow booger? I'm a banana slug, Steven. What are you doing in my room? I'm your sense of adventure. It's been a long time since we've had an adventure in the forest. Mom took me to the forest last year. I'm a slug, Steven. It took me a long time to get here. You're right. I should get out. Yeah, the forest is not that far away. Hey, Mom! Come to the forest where the more adventurous you lives. Check out discovertheforest.org for cool places nearby. Brought to you by the U.S. Forest Service and the Ad Council. This message is for all of you sitting in the passenger seat, and apologies if it gets a little uncomfortable, but how does it feel to be at the mercy of someone who thinks a random text is more important than your life? Someone who takes their eyes off the road while speeding along in a three-ton hunk of steel. Freaky, right? Well, why not just ask them to stop? Or better yet, volunteer to text for them. It might be a little awkward, but believe me, you'll live. Learn more at StopTextStopRex.org. Brought to you by the Ad Council and the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration. 180 over 111, and I had a stroke. I couldn't speak or walk. 150 over 90, and I had a stroke. This is what high blood pressure sounds like. You might not feel its symptoms, but the results from a stroke are far from silent. Get back on your treatment plan or talk with your doctor to create a plan that works for you. Go to loweryourhbp.org. I had to tell everything's changed. Brought to you by the American Stroke Association, American Medical Association, and the Ad Council. I can't believe he found them. He seems sorry. We very clearly told him not to look up there. I'm honestly impressed that he was able to do it. Right? What did he balance on that big chair? Or... Yeah, I mean, I guess he'll just know what his gifts are this year. I really thought we had hidden them well. If they can find their presence, they can find a gun. 911, what is your emergency? Every day, eight kids and teens are unintentionally killed or injured by loaded and unlocked guns. Learn how to make your home safer at nfamilyfire.org. Brought to you by the Ad Council and N Family Fire. State wins at UVA last night. Duke has an ESPN game tonight. The Tar Heels are back on the court tomorrow. Chris Spatola on College Hoops. Next on the David Glenn Show. Coach Lou Holtz is joining us. What can you tell us about those four seasons in Raleigh? Everybody from North Carolina calling us Boo You and Agriculture You. And I remember walking in the press conference saying, I want everybody in the state to understand agriculture is better than no culture. Stay with us on the David Glenn Show. 
NCN News, I'm Bruce Farrell. Expect plenty of intense debate in the Senate as the impeachment trial of President Trump is getting underway. This afternoon, here's CBS News correspondent Bill Rakoff. Already high partisan tensions are flaring this afternoon as the trial gets underway. Democrats are incensed with the rules proposal from Senate Majority Leader Mitch McConnell. Rules, they say, prove that Republicans in the White House are continuing to cover up evidence of wrongdoing by the president. Those rules could prevent key House evidence from being introduced to trial and could lead to late night, early morning trial sessions as both House managers and lawyers for Mr. Trump lay out their cases. And there's still the open question as to whether witnesses will be allowed to testify. Bill Rakoff, CBS News, Capitol Hill. Governor Roy Cooper spent Martin Luther King Jr. Day in Asheville. He visited three area nonprofits dedicated to service. The governor spoke with WLOS News about current issues, including the budget stalemate tied to the fight over teacher pay and expanding Medicaid. Republican State Representative Josh Dobson of McDowell County says the Republican budget will provide raises for teachers and other state workers. That's why the State Employees Association has uh, fully endorsed this budget, correctional officers, troopers, transportation workers on down the line. It's unfortunate that uh, that we're at this gridlock and stalemate. North Carolina Appeals Court has upheld the legality of that quickly called legislative session in December 2016. That's when Republicans pushed through laws that weakened incoming Democratic Governor Roy Cooper. The vote announced by a three-judge panel of the Court of Appeals was unanimous, affirming a trial court ruling that declined to declare the session's procedures unconstitutional. Meanwhile, the U.S. Supreme Court now refusing to consider a fast-track review of a lawsuit that threatens the Obama-era health care law. The... This making it unlikely that the justices would decide the case before the 2020 elections. You are listening to NCN News.